The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. It's so crazy, my first time on the microphone since having a baby. It's wild. I feel like there's two things in my life, like BZ and AZ, before Zachary and after Zachary. It's such a weird feeling. I'm literally sitting next to him, staring at him right now. If you have been listening since the beginning of this podcast, which was over six years ago now, 2017, you have been through this crazy journey with me from being literally dumped before the first episode on my 27th birthday to everyone in between to now being married with a baby. And hopefully some of you guys have grown with me and this talking about this isn't like so unrelatable for you. And then, you know, hopefully some of you guys are newer and interested in this kind of thing in your future. So a lot of people had asked me to share the birth story and it's, I will say like, I did not care about people's birth stories before I was pregnant or gave birth. So no hard feelings. If you don't care, I'm not offended at all. And I totally get that. However, I will say this is quite a different story than most. It's quite a different story than like, I was feeling contractions at home and then my water broke. And then I went to the hospital and then they sent me home and then I waited six hours. Like this is like a real... trauma, if you will. But it's not so bad. And I don't want to scare anyone because I've never been happier having this adorable child in my life. And my heart has expanded like a bajillion. And I feel like I'm in like this pink cloud. Like I don't feel like life is real right now in the best way. So it's all worth it. So don't be scared. And just because this was my experience does not mean that it will be your experience. You might have a very civilized, very standard birth. And this might just be like setting the bar really low so that whatever happens, you can be like, well, at least I didn't have Lindsay's birth. So start from the beginning. My due date was January 23rd, 2024. And that would mean that at that point, I would be 40 weeks pregnant. My OB, who I like a lot, and I had discussed the birth. I don't want to say plan because as you'll learn, things don't go as planned ever. But we had discussed like what we want to do as birth becomes closer. And we had talked about how, and again, I'm not a doctor, So anything I say that like might sound like it's medical advice, definitely check it with your doctor. But I, we had discussed like how it's not so great to go past your due date and how like a lot of babies are fully cooked and ready to go at 39-ish weeks. And so just based on her personal experience, she didn't love the idea of like going over 39 Unless, you know, unless you really wanted to, in which case, of course, that overrides. But I was very uncomfortable in the last few weeks of my pregnancy. And he was a kicker. He would kick me 
all night, which is so cute now thinking that this little face would kick me, but he would kick me all night. He would kick me sometimes during the day. Like he was, he was pretty rough and I was like ready to give birth. And so we had made this date of January 18th as an induction date, which means if he had, excuse me, if he hadn't come by this date, then we would induce. And what does it mean to induce? It means that you go in and um, you have to be a little dilated to do it at all. Like you can't be nowhere near close to delivering. You have to kind of start it on your own by being dilated. So as long as you're dilated, and actually that's not even true. (laughs) Sorry that I'm trying to, that I'm being a doctor again. You can get induced without being dilated. It's just not like so recommended, but you can. Like I know places and people who have. But anyway, you go in and they do this thing, which I'll just explain it as that comes. But basically, we had this date to be induced. And as it started approaching and I was talking about it like with my family and, you know, this and that, a lot of people, and this is really interesting because if you go to another country, no one has their nose in what you do in terms of delivering a baby. Like nobody has any opinion except for support and like, oh great, you got your baby out. Like in France, for example, because I'm reading this French parenting book called Bringing Up Bebe, everyone, first of all, gets an ep- like everyone gets an epidural. It's the norm. It's weird if you don't get an epidural. Whereas in, and like nobody cares your birth story. They're just like, oh, are you okay? Like, is the baby okay? Great. And in America, it's so bizarre that everyone wants to be like this hero who did this natural birth and like didn't do that and didn't do this. And don't get me wrong. If you're like all for natural birth, like that's amazing. And I did a lot of research. I watched tons of movies. There's this movie called The Business of Being Born. And you learn a lot about how special it is to have a natural birth and how birth has become this kind of business in America, like in hospitals and things like that. And, you know, sometimes they're just fitting you in because the doctor has somewhere to go and blah, blah, blah. You learn a lot. And I heavily considered all options when it came to my delivery. And I actually had a doula as well because I was like, I want the mix of Eastern and Western medicine like together when I'm giving birth. I don't want to only listen to these Western doctors. I want to hear like Eastern practices of breathing and of techniques and spirituality. And so I would say I was like right in the middle when it came to that. The induction is obviously not very Eastern, right? It's definitely more of something that a busy person in New York City or in another city might do, someone who's impatient, whatever. And so like, I'm not afraid to admit like that was me. I was, I was impatient. I was excited I wanted to get my baby out and I could have waited, of course, but you'll see later that it wouldn't have affected ultimately what happened when I gave birth. I am so excited that Article is a partner of this podcast because we have finally completed the nursery. I know it's already February and my baby's been alive for a few weeks, but We were waiting for the last things to come in and we didn't know where to get them from. 
And then I remembered, obviously, Article is the place. We got these moon gold floor lamps and this like sheepskin throw, which is so cute. And this little basket set. It's called the Charlo basket set. And it's like this perfect hamper for his room. And the throw is like amazing for him to do tummy time at some point. And they're just perfect for the room. Article honestly makes it so easy to find something great because the selection is not overwhelming. It's extremely curated and they like organize the whole delivery process so well. Their delivery people are so sweet. They're so willing to help. And they also have like short windows. So you don't have to miss a whole day of work because you're getting a delivery. They believe in delightful design for every home and they have an online model with really delightful prices as well. Fast, affordable shipping across the US and Canada. And again, you pick the delivery time. They send you updates every step of the way. It's really amazing. Articles offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. Whether you're decorating a nursery or just something for yourself, you can claim this by visiting article.com slash Acme and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash Acme for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. So the 17th comes around. I have an appointment, a standard appointment with my OB and we do a cervix exam to check to see if I'm dilated. And I am. I'm like about half a centimeter to a centimeter dilated. So we're like, great, this is going to be perfect. I'll check in tonight to the hospital like around midnight and they'll start the process. And so we had our last lunch. We went home, we packed. It was like very civilized, very organized. And we went to the hospital and we checked in. We're in our room and they first administer this thing called a Foley balloon. This is a balloon that they put in your cervix that expands and kind of like in place of natural, naturally dilating more, it dilates you a little bit more. So like from one to three centimeters and starts the process. And so a lot of people will get an epidural after the Foley balloon. And some people will opt for it before. I did a lot of research with friends of mine who got induced and everyone was like, don't be a hero, like take the pain medication whenever you can. And I was like, okay, great. And when they asked me if I wanted it before the Foley balloon, I was like, yes. They put in the epidural, which wasn't a scary process for me. I know that everyone has like mixed feelings about their epidurals. I felt really lucky in that like, it went to the right place. It seemed to have worked at least, you know, at this point. Right. And they do the Foley balloon. I really don't feel anything. And then I kind of like am in and out of sleep at this point. Our doula is not there yet because it is like 1am and our doula is going to meet us in the morning at like 7am at the hospital when it's time, like when it's go time, because usually with this process, like you do this balloon and then by the morning things have sped up in a way that you can start to, you know, give birth and and push and, and all this stuff. My OB was also meeting us in the morning. And so really the night was just like, 
I didn't get much sleep, but I was kind of like in and out of this hazy like drug-induced sleep. It's so funny because in an epidural is some fentanyl and like some other stuff. And as you know, if you've been listening to this podcast, I'm sober. And so it's just interesting. Obviously, like you can you can get an epidural, you can be under anesthesia if you're sober. It's not like it doesn't come in the way of your sobriety. But it's funny because when I had my egg retrieval, because we did IVF for anyone who didn't know, they gave me fentanyl for that anesthesia for the egg retrieval. And I remember I loved it. Like not loved it, you know, but I was like, whatever you gave me, like I felt nothing. And I felt like almost like euphoric. And this time around, I did not have the same experience with fentanyl. I was like so shaky and itchy from this epidural. Like I was like someone on Skid Row. Like I was, I literally was like, you know how Dave Chappelle does that skit where he's like itching his face and has like white, like powder all over. That's what I felt like. Like my whole body was itchy. I was like deeply unwell from it, but I knew that it was helping numb whatever pain I would have been feeling. So I just got through it. Anyway, the morning comes. Obviously, I haven't mentioned Steven yet, but of course he's like by my side. He was so great the whole time. I don't think he slept for a second. So the morning comes around. So at this point, it's like 7 a.m. It's been like seven or eight hours and everyone's here. Like my OB's here, my doula's here, and we're like tracking the progress and everything looks great. Like I'm three centimeters dilated from the Foley balloon and it's time to start the Pitocin, which I was really worried about because you hear that Pitocin is like really bad for you and like your unborn baby. Like there's all these things that people say, but the reality is like, it's not like, it's fine. Your baby's fully cooked and the Pitocin is like natural oxytocin, which continues the labor process. And so that's what that's the reason they give it to you. So they give it to me and I start to have contractions and I start to kind of like feel these contractions. Like the epidural is not really being my friend anymore. And I like ask for more epidural, like with some button that they give you to press if you want more. And I still am like feeling these contractions. So not great. And I'm not really sure like what's going on, but it doesn't seem a hundred percent normal at this point. Yet everyone's still very positive and supportive of this whole process working. And we're just like, we're waiting and I'm, I'm not pushing, but I'm having contractions and I'm like breathing through them and working through them. And time continues to pass and I'm in like, I'm shaking and I'm having these painful contractions and time is passing. And all of a sudden it's like, 16 hours later. So like around, I don't know, 8.30 PM on the 18th. And I actually had a friend who was delivering in this on the same floor. She's the same OB as me. And like everyone's status is monitored on the screen. So like I can see that like she's like going into labor. Like she also did an induction, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, oh my God, like I'm so happy for her. You know, everything's working out. Like what's, and her and I are even texting. Like you can have your phone during birth, which is crazy. And like I'm even texting with my friends, like at this point, like still feeling very chill about the situation. And I'm like, oh my God, she gave birth. Like that's, you know, hopeful for me and like hoping that things start to progress soon, but things haven't progressed. Like maybe I was like four centimeters dilated instead of three. And then my OB was like, you know, 
we can like break your water and like get things going. Of course they asked, like she asked me, it wasn't like a Fleischman is in trouble situation where he just like does it. Like that's horrible. And I was like, yes, like break my water. Like let's go like whatever we got to do. Cause at this point I am dead set on this vaginal delivery. And I had this like delusional plan in my head originally that I would go into labor on my own. Like my water would break at home. Like I would be so dilated that by the time I went to the hospital, I couldn't even have the epidural. Like I had this delusional plan, which part of me knew was never going to happen, but a C-section was not even like a consideration in my mind. And this is why we really can't be like this. Like as humans, like even with IVF and, and fertility stuff, like I was always like, oh my God, like if I have to do IVF, like I'm not meant to have a child. And it's just like dark, crazy things like that, that I would say to myself and be so, I can't even think of the word, but so just like dead set on these things that I wanted. And it's so stupid. Like I'm never going to say, I'm never going to do that again, where I'm like, I will never do this or that will never happen to me because you just never know what your journey is going to be. You really never know. And I wish I wasn't so like gung-ho about, oh my God, I'm never going to have a C-section. And people who have a C-section, their lives are ruined. Like that is so stupid and dumb. And like the truth is that when you're pregnant and you're going to give birth, the only thing that should matter to you is that you deliver a healthy baby and that you are healthy but that's just not what I was thinking at the time. And so I'm like three or four centimeters dilated and nothing is changing. Nothing is happening. Nothing is progressing. And now we're like 16 hours into this and my OB starts to like sing a different tune. The doula, you know, is a good person, but like couldn't have been less necessary because of how things had gone, you know? Like I... I know that's a rare experience. A lot of people love their doulas, but for my situation, just having been induced and having this like this, like, you know, emergency situation, which I'll tell you about, like there was nothing a doula could really do to make it better. So lived and learned with that one. Happy February. I can't believe we finally passed January, the longest month in the world. The month that is literally 200 days. But just because we passed February doesn't mean that we're getting rid of the new year, new goals thing, and not goals that are intimidating, like working out every day and eating healthy. No, no, no. Just goals of putting yourself out there. Hinge is my favorite app. And when it comes to dating, it can be really hard to know where to start. But if you're not on Hinge and you're single, I have no idea where to even begin with you because that is 100% where you need to be immediately. And you can start refreshing your Hinge profile to manifest the dating experience that you want in this new year. Like I always say, you know, I do these dating consultations, which I'm paused on right now because I just had this baby, but it's so important to look at your profile, have a friend look at it, give a second pair of eyes to it, be like, does this represent me well? Is this funny? Is this, you know, if if I'm wanting to attract someone that's funny, is my profile funny? You know, um, you can really just update your dating profile to something as simple as I'm looking for my Travis Kelsey, you know, sorry to be cheesy, but everyone wants what they have right now. 
If you think it's fake, I don't want to hear about it. Anyway, manifest that dating experience that you want this year. Download Hinge and find someone worth deleting the app for. You are kidding yourself if you are not at least putting some skin in the game here by being on Hinge, my favorite dating app. So 16 hours have passed and we're just kind of like, what's going on? My OB starts to sing a different tune and she's like, listen, we like should probably have conversations about the idea of a C-section because you aren't progressing and like it is a little, you know, concerning. And she knew that that was the last thing I wanted to do. And she was really supportive of trying everything in her power to not get me there. But at a certain point in time, like there's nothing you can really do. Like if you're not going to deliver vaginally and your water is already broken, you got to get the baby out. Like there's no like going home and, you know, waiting it out. There's none of that. Like the process has begun. And so I was like, so upset. Like, let's just give it more time, you know, really not wanting to, to give up. And then all of a sudden it was the craziest thing. So as you may or may not know, like when you're in the hospital, like you're being monitored. So not only your heart rate, but the heart rate of the baby, all of a sudden one of our heart rates drops. At this point, I have no idea. I just hear kind of like almost like a flatlining. And all of a sudden, every single person in the hospital who works there, I'm not even kidding, is in our room in two seconds, as if Rihanna was in the hospital room, like everyone. And there were like flashing lights. It was like paparazzi. Like, I cannot even tell you. It's like a fever dream. Like everyone at once was just there. And it was so scary. And clearly, you know, something was wrong and it was his heart rate. And we were, we didn't know what to do. And part of me was not worried weirdly. I had this like mother's intuition kick in where I was like, he's going to be okay. Like we're going to be okay. But it was really scary. And then we had to have some serious conversations. And again, at this point, we still don't know why I'm not progressing. There's no clarity on this. And I have to sit down now with my OB and some other doctors and like make the call. And after his heart rate dropping, I was just like, all I care about is him, you know, coming out safely. So like, let's do a C-section if that's the only option, like let's do it. But because I was so on drugs and crazy with my delusional birth plan still in my mind, I started making demands like as if I was like a terrorist who had like kidnapped someone. I was like, okay, here are my demands. The scar can't be bigger than an inch. I want to control the lighting. I want my own playlist. I want skin to skin contact, which means like after he's born, like put him on my skin so he recognizes his mom. And I was like, and I want it done before midnight. And I think that was because my grandpa's birthday is on the 18th. And I was like, if we're going to have this birth go rogue, I would still like for him to have my grandpa's birthday at like as a silver lining at the end of this. And they were like laughing at me. I don't think they realized that I didn't realize that once you go in for a C-section, it's like you're going to meet your baby in the next like 20 minutes. It's not, it's not a long process. It is kind of after the baby comes, they have to stitch you up. It's like an hour, but whatever. So 
we go in and I'm like trying to be calm, but this was the last thing that I wanted to do. Stephen makes the calls to my family and tells them. And again, at this point, like we don't know why things aren't working. And so we go in and they start the process of kind of numbing me so that I don't feel anything. But because I had already had an epidural, there wasn't like a let's re-put an epidural in. It was kind of just like, let's work with the epidural that you have and do some numbing. And the doctor was like, like the doctor who was overseeing it, not my OB, was like, you're going to feel some pulling and pushing, but you shouldn't feel any pain. And I was like, hmm, okay. Like that sounds a little unrealistic, but let's see. And he puts something on, kind of like mimics doing an incision or like writing on me basically. And is like, did you feel that? And I was like, yes. And he was like, but do you know what temperature it is? And I was like, no, (laughs) but like I felt it. So I don't care what temperature it is. And he was like, oh, it was really cold. So like, it's good that you didn't feel that. And I was like, okay, I don't know where this is going, but sure. Anyway, they start they start the C-section. Well, actually before that, I was like, where's my husband? And they were like, he'll come in right before. And I was like, wait, what? They like wouldn't let him in until like right before. And I mean like a split second before. So I'm just like still drugged out on this table. Curtain is up because they do that so that you can't see anything. And I keep being like, where's my husband? Where's my husband? Finally, he comes in and they begin. And so they have this curtain up so that you can't see anything, but they have this big round light that's kind of like almost chandelier-y on top of where they're working on you. And you, and I really hope that you don't look or have this experience, but you can see everything reflected in that light, like everything. So if you don't want to see it because you don't want to look past the curtain, which you can't, you literally just have to look up and you see It's literally out of a horror movie. I'm so sorry, like trigger warning. You see everything like, and you know, I'm too curious not to look. I literally saw my guts. I'm not kidding. I saw my guts, but I digress. So it starts and they make the incision, which I didn't feel. But then I start feeling pain. Like I'm in pain the whole time. And I'm like, wait, guys, like I'm in pain. And they're like, no, like it's just the pushing and pulling. I'm like, no, I'm actually in pain. And it was, it was horrifying. Like no one, everyone was like gaslighting me. Steven didn't know what to do. He was just like, hello, she's in pain. Like it was, it was crazy. My OB did the C-section, which was great. I mean, she was like there the whole time when they went into, you know, my body and saw my uterus, my cervix and my pelvis and everything she was like, oh, this is why like it hasn't been progressing. You have CPD. And CPD is cephalopelvic disproportion. So it's basically, basically when you, you have a baby, the baby has to pass through the narrow opening in the mother's pelvis. If you have CPD, it's a condition where the baby has trouble getting through the birth canal because of the size of the baby's head, the baby's position, or the size or shape of the mother's pelvis. So my pelvis is extremely narrow. We were actually joking in the actual C-section itself, like 
you know, that TikTok that's like, so you think I'm skinny? <laughs> like basically my pelvis is too narrow to deliver a baby vaginally. But there was no way to know this because you can't get an MRI while you're pregnant. I would have had to do this before I even tried getting pregnant. And how would I know to do this, right? And so they only knew once we started the C-section. And she was like, yeah, your pelvis is way too narrow to have given birth vaginally. And so it's really crazy. Like whether I had waited to go into natural labor versus induction versus this versus that, and all the people that, you know, judged me and were like, you should wait, you shouldn't induce, because there were tons of people, you know, when I brought up the French parenting thing, like no one cares about that, but everyone has their opinions in the US about how you're giving birth and it's exhausting and so annoying. I wouldn't have been able to have a vaginal delivery no matter what. And it was so frustrating learning this, especially because I'm in the middle of a C-section, but also because I did so much prep to have a vaginal delivery. I ordered this $200 balloon off eBay to expand my cervix. I was doing these perennial massages, making Steven do all these crazy woo-woo things, eating dates, like six dates a day, like all this sugar for no reason, drinking this terrible raspberry tea a bajillion times a day, like walking a certain way on the curb. I mean, none of it mattered. And this is why it's so important to not be attached to your plans, whether it's giving birth or who you're going to end up with. Like it's just, it's pointless. I'm just like at this point, so drowsy, delirious, and really excited to get this baby out because all I ever thought about was like hearing the baby cry. Because once you hear the baby cry, you know, the baby is out of you. And I would say like 20 minutes in. So it was at 916, which is crazy because as I mentioned before, we were having this discussion at 8.30 PM. By 916, our baby is out and crying and it is the craziest experience. And they didn't unfortunately bring him over for skin to skin. They had to like do something. And then they were like to Stephen, they were like, do you want to cut the cord? And it, you know, it's like more ceremonial, but he obviously couldn't say no. And then he like went to go to cut the cord, but he was like leaving me on the table. It was just like a disaster. Meanwhile, I'm like, oh my God, like, you know, the baby's like, we're the two of us when we heard the cries, we were holding hands and staring at each other and just sobbing, like tears flowing beyond. We still hadn't even seen him. We just heard the cries. We were just so happy that he was okay, that, you know, he came out, that there was a real baby in there. Like, we were just so shocked. And he went and like cut the cord and he was like, oh my God, he's so cute. And I was like, oh my God, I need him. And they finally gave him to me. Then I was like, wait, are we done? And they were like, no, it's an hour more. We have to like stitch you up. And I was like, oh, hell no. And so then they like put me back together. And again, I can see everything in the fucking reflection on top. And it's horrifying. And I'm just sitting there and there's nothing I can do. And I like can't even hold my baby. And I'm just waiting and in so much pain. And it's it's a disaster. And I'm trying to be just happy that he's okay and he's so adorable, but I'm just like 
deeply unwell. And they pump you up with so much fluid during a C-section that Stephen kept thinking I was having an allergic reaction because my face was like so swollen and I've had allergic reactions before and that's like what it looks like. And so he kept asking, he was like, is she having an allergic reaction? And they were like, oh, we don't know. <laughs> like, it was wild. Like, I just, I also want to say, it kind of sounds like I'm like shitting on the hospital and the doctors, but it's an amazing hospital and the doctors were incredible. And oh, hi. And the doctors are incredible. Like it's, and I'm not saying it just because like, I don't want you to think that that's my intention, but it was just, it was a crazy experience. Also, like I had been texting my friends. And so like we stopped texting because we went in for this emergency C-section and everyone was like, what the fuck? Like what happened? Like, where are you? Like, do we have a baby? And luckily we did. And he's the best. And then unfortunately, when you have a C-section, they keep you in the hospital for like three to four days, three to four nights after. It used to be back in the day that they keep you for like two weeks. So thank God it's not that case anymore. But it's it's a dark place, the hospital right after you've had a baby, because you don't know what you're doing. Like luckily, the nurses are amazing and they teach you so many things. But you want your baby to breastfeed, but you don't have milk coming in. You have this thing called colostrum, which apparently is like trendy now and like a wellness trend for people to eat. But it's like the milk before the milk and you're getting like drops if you're lucky. And so all these nurses and doctors are like, oh, like feed your baby, but you only have a few drops, but like a few drops will be good enough for them. But like if they cry, like we have formula for you, but you don't want to give them formula because then, you know, it's like, it's so stressful. And it was just like a dark time there. And I was trying so hard to feed him, but I also was in so much pain from my C-section. I couldn't even go to the bathroom. I had like a catheter in every time I had to do anything, like a nurse had to help me up. I could barely walk. And of course, like our parents wanted to come see the baby, but I was just like, my face was so swollen that I tried to put in contact lenses. This is after giving birth. I tried to put in contact lenses and they just like popped right out of my eyes. It was nuts. It was wild. Like the hospital after birth is a really dark place. And I'm sure anyone who's given birth has experienced it. It's just like, you have no idea what you're doing. And it's, you're woken up at all hours. You get no sleep. The silver lining was that Forgetting Sarah Marshall was on. And so we watched it like three times and we ordered sushi one night, which was really nice. And they have this nursery where you can, they'll take your baby for like as long as you want and then, you know, bring him or her back. And we were really hesitant to give the baby to the nursery because we were just so obsessed with him and we didn't want to, you know, part with him for two seconds. But one like I think the second night we were like, let's give him to the nursery for an hour and let's have like an amazing sushi dinner because I hadn't eaten sushi in nine months. And so we actually ordered Nobu. It was like very <laughs> over the top. And and also Stephen just like felt so bad for me because of what I went through. He was so sweet about it. And we got the sushi and like we were eating, but then, you know, you have anxiety about, okay, like our baby is in this nursery with people we don't know. And like Steven thought that one of the nurses was coughing and he was like, this nurse has COVID and she's touching our baby. And it's like, you have all these crazy fears. Like you're, 
not just first time parents, but like first hours parents. And it's just like this tiny thing is yours. And also you're like, what if they mix him up at the hospital? Like, I don't know his face yet. It's just a crazy, a crazy, crazy feeling. And, and there were, yeah, there were some dark times in the hospital where I was trying to feed him and he either wouldn't latch or he wasn't getting enough. And so he was crying. And then I felt, I didn't know what to do. And then there was one night where like, I just, I had to give him a little bit of the formula that the hospital has. And the hospital has great formula. It's obviously formula is okay for babies. Like, don't get me wrong. But the way that people talk about it, it's like, you know, so taboo. But the reality is like, you just need a fed baby. And at that point I wasn't getting enough breast milk. Now I'm very lucky and feel very grateful knocking on wood that he's exclusively breastfed and I'm pumping and it's been so great and he surpassed his birth weight. But like those few nights in the hospital, they were really dark and I was so scared. Like even when I gave him the formula, I gave it to him with like a syringe because I didn't want him to take it from a bottle because he hadn't ever done that yet. And I didn't want him to get like too familiar with the bottle. Like it was just, it was wild. And I will say like so many mom friends like went out of their way to reach out like they all knew what to say it was really interesting being on the other side of it because I feel like every time unless it's like a very close friend for the most part every time someone has a baby I'm just like oh like congrats you know you you don't know what to say unless you're someone who's gone through it and so now like looking back I would be like, oh my God, like I just, I I know what to say. I would, I would check in. I would, you know, make sure that whatever, you know, like it just, it's just interesting. And I think, you know, I'm very lucky. My friends who don't have kids too have been so great at checking in and so understanding, but it is this like weird thing. Like it is this kind of not divide, but differentiation between who you are before you have a child and who you are after. And I do feel like this new person, like I went out to Whole Foods for like the first time leaving the house. And I was like thinking to myself, like, does anyone know that I like have a baby? You know what I mean? It's like, obviously only a thought that you have, but you're like, I'm this new person. Like, does anyone realize, you know, and it's just really, it's been really so special. And Zachary is the best boy. Like he's truly a dream baby. I know that I'm sure everyone either says that about their kid or like if they have a baby who's fussy or cries or colicky, like that has nothing to do with them. It's not their fault. It's not their baby's fault. But he just happens to be a baby who only like cries when there's a reason for it. And then we figure it out. And he's really, really, really fucking cute. And like, I know I'm biased because I'm his mom, but he's everything that I dreamed that he would look like and more. And like this perfect combination of Steven and I, and I just, I feel like someone was looking out because the birth was so traumatic for me and recovery physically was so hard that I feel lucky that I didn't get like a hormonal dip because I have been depressed before. I've shared with you guys like 
depression was a part of my story when I was young, when I was 23. And so I didn't know how I was going to come out of this. And I feel very grateful to have like these regulated emotions, these like just feeling really good, feeling really myself, not myself physically, but myself mentally and just like having good energy still. I feel like that's really rare and you just never know what's going to happen to you after you have a baby. It's a huge, and I feel like I'm turning a corner physically a little bit, not in terms of like, you know, looking like I used to, but being able to move, being able to get out of bed, being able to walk like more than five minutes down the street. And yeah, I mean, I think like the bottom line is you got to not stay attached to your plan. I never thought I would have a C-section. I I don't want to say I was judgmental about people who had C-sections, maybe elective C-sections, but I just like, there's no perfect way to deliver a baby. There's no right way and wrong way. There's just what happens and, and what your story is. And I hope that I didn't scare anyone. I still would do it over and over and over again to get this perfect, perfect child. Steven has been the most, the sweetest dad. He's back at work and it's so hard for him because he wants to be with our son all the time. I mean, he's so freaking cute. Our families have been amazing and so helpful. My baby nurse has been a godsend. I don't know what I would do without her. She is phenomenal. And if that's something that you can do for yourself, I definitely attribute my emotional leveling out or whatever. I am like so mom brain, but my like regulating my emotions to her a lot. Also therapy. I had an amazing therapy session. I actually kicked everyone out of my apartment post-birth to talk about just the trauma of what I went through and and everything like that. But the reality is if you're pregnant or you're thinking about being pregnant one day or you're just, you know, here for the the story, like everything will work out. It it always does. And we can do really hard, scary things. And we always bounce back and we're always okay. Like women are truly amazing. And I can't believe I spoke for so long about that. I thought it was going to be 10 minutes in the beginning of the episode, but hopefully you got something out of it. Even if you don't want to have kids at all, just the lesson of like, stop attaching yourself to what you think is best. You just never know. And ultimately what like it, it's that dumb thing. Like we plan and God laughs, like whatever's planned for you will happen and you will be stronger because of it. Whether that's a breakup that you didn't see coming or losing a parent or going through a traumatic birth or going through a divorce, whatever it is, there is like so much strength on the other side, so much. And I I guess that's it. I, I'm not really going to be sharing you know, it's really hard for me not to share like photos of him every now and then on, on my personal account on Instagram because he's just so freaking cute. But I'm going to make a concerted effort not to, you know, go overboard, not to like do videos of him or anything that I think would be a little much. I'm not going to really share how I parent. I think that that is just you open the doors for scrutiny. And I think that everyone is doing 
great. So if you're a mom, you're amazing. No matter what you do, whether you formula feed, bottle feed, have a baby nurse, don't have a baby nurse, whatever. I think it has given me like a newfound respect for women, for mothers, and for people who support women and mothers, you know, friends, nurses. And I think I'm babbling at this point, but I really appreciate you taking the time to listen to this. And I am grateful that we made it through this through this experience. Feel free to DM me if you have any thoughts, questions, similar stories. I would love to hear from you. And that's all I got. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.